Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. This is episode 218. I am your host, Byron Pace. This is a modern Huntsman production. Now, this intro is going to be very short because the whole premise of what you're about to hear, I sat down with Tyler Sharp, editor-in-chief of Modern Huntsman, and Ben Lisdus from Swarovski Optic to explain uh, what is going to follow, which is a series of conversations that came at the end of a Swarovski Optic Ambassador event at Trinchera Ranch in Colorado just a few months ago. You're going to hear from some incredible people, uh, one after the other. I'm going to link the social media accounts of everybody in the description to this show. Uh, But this is the order you're going to hear from everybody. And some of these people you have actually heard on the podcast before, some you haven't, and I will get on in their own right very soon. So after uh, the intro, you're going to hear from Ben himself, uh, and then you're going to hear from Josh Crumpton, Austin Mann, Natalie Ray, Bianca Germain, Austin Mann, Bobby Neptune, Lindsay Davis, Tyler Sharp, and then at the very end, you'll be hearing from me. So just two things to mention before we get into the intro, which is if you haven't pre-ordered and you're not a subscriber of Modern Huntsman, we have just opened pre-orders for Volume 10. And as I'm recording this, the file is being sent to the printer to get it to you in time for Christmas. So head over to modernhuntsman.com and make sure you have your copy of Volume 10 because I don't know how long they're going to last before they're actually going to be out of stock. And it's it's an incredible volume. Uh, the front cover go and check out the front cover, head over to either the Modern Huntsman website or the Instagram account and check out the front cover, which was taken by the incredibly talented Ronan Donovan, who also has a story alongside Rob Green, all about wolves in this volume. And aside from that, all that I'm left to do is say thank you very much to the top tier Patreon supporters this week, who include Richard McNeil, Ronnie Speakman of RD Contracting, James Marchington, the guys at South Esh stalking, Dick Ekstromer, and Mark Zabrowski. If you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Byron Pace. Ben, Tyler, we are wrapping up what has been quite a spectacular couple of days here in Colorado. Uh, Ben, why don't you give us a little bit of background about why we are sitting in this room today and what we've been doing for the last couple of days with all the other amazing people who have been here. Well, it has been an amazing um, couple of days, but really it's, I think what we've been doing really is the culmination of, you know, a year and a half worth of ideas and leading up to this, right? So, you know, I have the benefit of um, working for Swarovski Optic in kind of a new and different way um, and kind of working in a way that I like to say is like de-siloing the brand, whereas we have this as this company that's always been nature focused, we've identified our customers as hunters and bird watchers. And there's been a little bit of a cultural shift as we are now thinking of our brand as an outdoor brand. And how do we open that up to more people using the outdoors and observing nature and connecting with it? And so, you know, being the creative person that I am, I'm trying to piece this puzzle together of how does a binocular company become relevant to the ways that people enjoy nature in a really diverse way that includes, you know, hunting and includes birding, but it's not about diluting that. It's about including other. Exactly. I kind of like to think of like a big tent thing. So that brings us to the work that we've been doing together to 
find people in this space that we know that are doing inspiring work. They're, you know, they have deep connections with nature and they're coming to it from diverse backgrounds. And over the course of this time, working with you, Byron and Tyler, um, really finding a group of creatives that can help us tell the story of how we want to open up our brand to really be everything nature and you know who are the people who can tell these stories and you know partnering with modern huntsman was a really clear choice to me because you guys understood the value and kind of what we did as a brand from your hunting backgrounds and um you work with so many people though that cut across the conservation space and um you know modern huntsman is you know not a hunting publication as far as i'm concerned it's a nature publication so I saw what you guys were doing and I was, you know, was talking with Tyler. I'm like, well, let's, let's put together a group of ambassadors that really represent the ethos and the, the, the vibe that we want to project going forward. And, you know, let's ultimately get all these people together in one place where we can exchange ideas and have this like, you know, creative energies flowing back and forth. And, and we sure had that. We had tons <laughs> of that. We had tons of that. Yeah. And, and, and it just really, like riffing off of each other's passions. Um, we, and and we did a fantastic job, I think, of picking people who coming from like wildlife cinematography or, um, you know, the, the safari, you know, photo, photo safari scene, um, you know, photographers, filmmakers, writers coming together um, and just exploring these passions. And that's what we did. We kind of Picked a pretty amazing space here. At, it's not bad. It's stunning here. It's, 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 absolutely, it's absolutely stunning. And, and, and this, the location in itself has an, has an amazing story. Yes. And what we've been privileged to see over the last couple of days and the work that they're doing on a landscape level. Very much uh, the stewardship of the land here and the integration of... Um, you know, the, the management of the fisheries, the, the wildlife here, and also, you know, opening it up for, um, you know, folks like us to come in and experience this and have an event like we did. So when we started talking about this whole idea, not only for this specific event, but what you were trying to do with Swarovski Optic and this new sort of charge you've been handed, and also what Byron and I and the rest of the Modern Huntsman team are trying to do is based off of the concept that now people don't necessarily fit into one category or the other. It's, they're not just hunters or bird watchers. It's, so it's kind of the concept of creating a new space that feels welcoming and has diverse perspectives and backgrounds and, and professional pursuits. And I think a lot of the people here who had no hunting experience, even though we didn't hunt, we talked about it a lot. There's a lot of taxidermy in the lodge. It's very much a part of the culture and what they focus on at Trinchera. But some of our friends had never shot guns before. Yeah. And it went from a nervous apprehension of them kind of standing in the background, you know, feeling probably a little bit intimidated mm -hmm. to by the end, they're asking how much shotguns and rifles are because yeah. <laughs> they're really into it. And so I think that that's just a, a good metaphor for what, we've been talking about for this long. And it's not like these folks are necessarily going to turn into hunters, but the idea is, was to explore all the different tools that we make in the observation space that people use to connect with nature. So understanding 
rifle scopes and, and 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 rifles and some of those those tools as well as just the purely observational instruments we played with a thermal device one night you know it was and it, it really was coming together there were no egos that we had and, and everyone really spoke freely about their differences and you know how they connect with nature in different ways in a non-judgmental space and you know, it was so inspiring. And I think everyone left with that sense of inspiration, which is really what we're trying to put forward with some of these great storytellers, you know, generate inspiration. Yeah. Well, it definitely did that. And, you know, it's going to be hard to, to call through all of those conversations because there was some very um, impactful, emotional things. I think a lot of us were sort of on the edge of our seat and, yeah kind of hoping like someone don't start crying because I feel like there would have been multiple people in the room that, that would have started crying. And, and I think that's just a testament to the actual emotional impact that this five, four days, five days had on, on everybody. And the, the level of connection and bond that was formed is I've never really been a part of something like that at this I, level. I think it also speaks to the emotional impact that people have when they experience the outdoors, you know, that, 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 really sets the table and is kind of the foundation for some pretty strong feelings. And there's a lot of conversation amongst us that how fortunate we are to have that connection with nature and the outdoors and being able to tell stories and be role models perhaps for other people to be able to have those really rich, you know, connections with nature that brings all those those heavy feelings. Yeah. Um, some of them challenging and difficult, some of them, you know, just immensely gratifying the whole spectrum. And I think from a Swarovski perspective, obviously, because we're, you know, keeping that in mind, we want to make sure that the brand's represented. But I think that that is, uh, in terms of actually having people now feel like they're a part of the brand and not just quote a title of ambassador or diplomat or whatever you want to call it, everybody left feeling really excited about the company and what you guys do. And I think that's just gonna, that's just gonna have a ripple effect. Yeah, and, and and key to that was really leaning into the work that all of these folks are doing, as opposed to coming to them saying, "I need these assets from you, etc." It was really about, you know, my respect and admiration for every one of those individuals, the two of you included, um, that you know, just recognizing, don't change what you're doing. I'm not asking you to do anything different. I'm just asking you to be kind of part of our vision because yeah. you represent a piece of the puzzle that's pretty important to us. Mm. And it's a long-term vision. Yeah. You know, we were talking about that around the fire last night, and um, I think Austin Mann said that one of the things that was so impactful for him when it comes to association with Swarovski is that it's a long-term. There's a long-term vision and game plan there, which is not always that common when it comes to big companies. Yeah, it's it's a it's a company that is always very long-term thinking, very forward-thinking, and trying to you know, realize the way we want to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and having a consistency of vision and values and a culture that supports all of that within Swarovski Optic lends itself to having opportunities like this and forming partnerships like this with brand ambassadors that can develop over time and really just solidify and strengthen. Um, what... What is your your hope is going to be the outcome of pulling all these people together and spending this time that we have up in the mountains and round campfires in the last couple of days? 
massive sales. <laughs> no, really, it's it is to um, you know I, I think I think the idea of taking a sport optics brand and kind of, and and positioning it as really a access point for all people who want to enjoy nature is an ambitious goal, and it takes a lot of different a lot of different ideas perspectives and um you know essentially my hope is that as we go forward with this project we have developed kind of greater clarity um develop different opportunities to work with one another and to really show the public at large some of the really rich and meaningful things that the outdoors has to offer and doing that within a context of observing nature, right? Because that's at the end of the day, that's what we do. You know, so there's one thing to, you know, enjoy the outdoors with your mountain biking and trail running and kayaking. And those are all great things, but we're sort of a, a lower heart rate brand, if you will, where we're, you know, outdoors to really watch and learn and understanding the depth and the richness that that relationship with nature provides. But there are so many different ways that people get that. And so as we continue to work together and work with these storytellers and these incredibly talented people to find a way that we create that inspiration for others and provide on-ramps to, you know, broaden opportunities for the, you know, the greater outdoor recreational community to see the things that from our backgrounds as a bird watcher or hunters or ecologists, that we've already that we've always seen, right? This, the, the the more intimate, you know, relationships with nature that maybe you don't get if you're, you know, pounding out 15k through the woods or <laughs> something like that, right? We're about to hear from a kind of round table. It wasn't really a discussion, but it was people conveying their thoughts and feelings. What did you? So we did that yesterday. What, mm-hmm. what did you make of that? Then you you were sitting there, and that was a, a kind of a collective of everything that had come together over the last uh, couple of days and hearing from each person as we went around the room. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, like Tyler had said earlier, it was, it was, it got deep quick. Um, and you know, one of the things that, that really made me appreciate is like, what was, what all these pursuits mean to everyone in that room, you know, and, and the, the, the way that it is just such an affirming and fulfilling thing to be able to be outdoors. And we had many discussions about this, um, you know, especially with you, Byron, about, you know, there's this notion of you know, so many people have their, their nine to fives and, and, and we become so task oriented in our lives. And, and the, it's finding time to spend outdoors, it's, sometimes it can seem like a luxury almost, but as we were having these discussions with these people, you realize that it was almost an essential thing. It's not a luxury. It's something that really is just needed to recharge and reground and, you know, become a little bit more analog. Right. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I think this concept of, of, you know, like nature as being an analog space, especially in this day and age, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it has so much value. Right. I'm totally with you. <laughs> well, 
Did you have anything else you want no, to No, just I hope that we can do it again. And I think we will you know, do it you, again. You kept, you, kept <laughs> saying, again. you kept saying, I mean, I think you said this on the first night. You said, we're going to look back in five years and be able to point to this weekend and say that was, that was the that stone was the, that dropped in the pond mm-hmm. and created all of these ripples. And so you know, you kind of called it at the beginning, but to see that now, uh, it's really exciting to the think r- about. The ripples are already happening. All of the collaborations that came from this, the projects, other people already meeting up with each other. And we're going to see Bobby in the next two days. Cause he, you know, anyways, I was, really, I really hope that, um, everyone who's listening to this finds and follows these folks, mm-hmm. Austin, Mann, Austin, Alvarado, Josh Crumpton, you know, Lindsay, Natalie, the whole crew, yeah. the Austins. Um, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, I mean, you know, find these people and just follow what they're doing because it is really some some cool work. And there's going to be a lot of interconnection, I think, yeah. between various projects amongst these people. So it's going to be really cool to see how that all kind of happens organically. You know, yeah. it's it's not like I'm some you know, puppet master here, uh, you know, for working for Swarovski Optics saying, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. It really is getting inspiration from each other and then setting them free and coming back together, going back out and doing our things. Well, I think it's, I think it's early enough that we can drop a little hint about one of the projects we will be working on later this year with, with Austin Alvarado in the big bend. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously we don't want to reveal too much of what that's about, but it's going to be a, a a lot of us getting back together yeah. to tell a story about this beautiful place in, in West Texas and, and all the amazing wildlife there. So, yeah. Well, Ben, thank you for making it, making this happen. <laughs> yes. it, the, the pleasure was all mine. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, plan the next one pretty soon. Absolutely. So, yeah, like I was saying, the conversations that we had this weekend and, you know, part of us getting together here, being in this outdoor space was to make room for those conversations. And it was really so cool to have these various ecosystems that you guys inhabit in the outdoors kind of overlap and seeing the Venn diagrams happening. Um, it was great for me to be able to just spend time with all of you and kind of see those interactions happening. And we're hoping for more of that in the future. So thank you all for your support in that regards. Um, you know, going forward from here, you know, I've I've always said, let me know what projects you guys want to work on. If you have ideas, people I should meet, brands we want to be in touch with, stories that you want to do that you're inspired by that are kind of pointing towards our mission as a company, which is to really get people inspired about the outdoors and about nature. Um, And and particularly through observation, right? And that's that's kind of the the key for us as as a optics brand. It's like we are, we want people to be using nature observation as a vehicle for, you know, empowerment, new experiences, um, you know, well-being, all these things, conservation, getting excited. So that's what it's all about. So thank you all for doing that. And uh, I hope we all had a good time doing it. Uh, I think it was pretty awesome. <laughs> you're here, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Ben, so you're going to kick us off. So I, we prepped everybody... I know it feels formal, but it's informal. So we're just going to, everybody's going to go through basically two questions. You can do them in whatever order you want, but one is just something that you're excited about or inspired about right now, whether that's a personal project or something you read or maybe a conversation you had here. And then number two is, how did we actually phrase it? Is it, how are you inspired by nature or how do you regularly connect with nature? How do you regularly connect with nature? 
Yeah, yeah, how you regularly connect with nature, but also really, yeah, the context in which I would say that your creative endeavors, the work that you do, and you guys all work passionately, really, how the, you know, and and what, how does that work move you to do the things you do, and what do you do in that space, perhaps, and, you know, take it in any direction you want, really, so... I, you know, I, I guess I would, and I was talking with Byron a little bit about this while we were up in the field looking at the at the sheep, uh, you know, I've had the benefit of kind of growing up just being outdoors, not necessarily within like a hunting or fishing space or a birding space, but just ever since I was a kid, I always would identify spots of green, little woodlots and just be like, I just want to go adventure in there, you know, crawling through creeks, catching frogs, just being outdoors was a place that I always just felt comfortable in and loved being there. It was, and so, and that kind of, as I was growing up, just being around all these living things. And then as I started going through school and learning more and realizing, oh my gosh, the soil is living and the plants are living. And I remember when the woods became the woods to being like, oh, those are poplars, those are maples, those are dug firs. And, and understanding like the greater texture through college and whatnot of what ecology is and taking this really raw energy of just loving to be outdoors and then having an education and understanding and a curiosity turn that into like just more depth that I could go. And that kind of gets me to what I really find inspiring about the outdoor space today is all the mentorship stuff going on. Because I realized that I had this on-ramp somehow into nature. I just kind of folded into it and then realizing that, you know, stepping back, having some empathy, not everyone has had those opportunities, not everyone has felt the comfort there, but I honestly believe that everyone, no matter what your jam is, benefits from being outdoors. And yeah, the outdoors benefits from people loving it and revering it. So me, for me, some of the most exciting stuff is like what, you know, Josh is doing in the, in the mentorship space. I mean, that's something that he's really passionate about and he, does so well. And, you know, when I got to know Josh Crumpton, one of the more inspiring people, right? right? I mean, you guys are all inspiring, don't get me wrong. But like that mentorship space to me is really important for so many ways, whether it's people who are, you know, underrepresented in that space or don't feel comfortable in that space or people who just, you know, are looking for an on-ramp to get in there because they just don't have the background. And I think of as someone who spent 18 years as a bird watcher and still am a bird watcher, but had never hunted before, to have that experience was very profound for me. So, so I think a, a project that's important to me, um, as Ben alluded to, is our mentorship program, our education program, just kind of driving down that further and further. When I started working professionally in the outdoors, which is a weird thing to say, even honestly, because it's a place where we recreate and a place where we just live. But when I started to work professionally in the outdoors, um, it was guiding, taking people fishing, taking people hunting. And what I noticed was so much of the traditional guide role nowadays is not teaching. It's just taking someone out with an objective, whether that's to shoot a sheep or whether that's to shoot some birds or catch a fish it's it's very objective oriented and the clients really a lot of times value the experience based upon did you achieve the objective and when i stumbled into the mentorship space um 
with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, helping them develop programs, I found a completely new, satisfying way of approaching the outdoors. And it made me reflect on my approach into the outdoors. Um, when I was young, growing up in Telluride, fishing was something that came easy. It was accessible, um, but hunting was not. So I grew up fishing, though self-taught. Um, hunting was something that I didn't come to until my 30s. And when I started mentoring, I realized, holy cow, I wish I'd had this on-ramp. I wish that I'd had this ability to get integrated into the landscape in a much more cohesive way. In the beginning of mentorship, a lot of it was skills driven. A lot of it was how to, how to kill or catch the thing and cook it and put it on a, on a table. Um, but a couple years in, I realized that the objectives had changed for me personally, that it was not about teaching people how to do the thing that was still too objective. Even though the skills level brought a level of teaching, there was something more. And, and we were always talking about it as an underlying factor in the programs, but it kind of fully bubbled up to the surface over the past 12 months that what we really wanna do is get people connected to nature. What we really wanna do is give people an on-ramp to find a more base level human connection and integrate themselves back into nature and ultimately remind them that they are nature, that we are nature. It's not something that we interface with. It's not something that we go to. It's something that is within us at all times. And awakening that connection allows us to find a place in the greater scheme of things. And I think you carry those things forward to connect with people even. And you start to understand that we're all related in some way, shape or form. And the work that we're doing in the mentorship space in the outdoors stretches so far beyond just showing somebody how to hunt or fish. It's something that once awakened, I think will help humanity to better understand how we navigate this planet that we all share. And I really think that that sentiment, my relationship with nature, um, is it what inspires me in nature? That's, that is encompassing of the project that I'm working on and what inspires me in nature all in one. It's, it's, I, can't, I can't separate those two things. Can I speak, it, speak on it from like just this weekend's? Like, okay, yes. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So being from a space where I, you know, the outdoors was, I mean, forget hunting, birding, forget these like kind of um, point of interest in being the outdoors, just not experiencing true wilderness until later on in my adult life. I've, I've, I feel as if I've been super lucky to get in this route that's led me into wildlife cinematography. And now I'm able to be introspective and, and ask myself these questions and, and feel comfortable to ask other people questions, right? And what this weekend did, to, did for me and made me kind of uh, uh, re-inspired or re-energized was that being around all these incredible people doing these amazing things, we all felt this sincere, just a joy being outside, right? And how we do our best, as at least on, on, a, on a cinematography standpoint, to replicate 
that sort of perfection and organic and, and effortless um, image that is being outside that this weekend kind of reminded me being there will never be replaceable, right? Like just actually being outside and sitting down and recognizing how, how much of it, how, 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 how much we play a role in it, in it and how it truly does make you feel different just being there. That will never be replaceable. Like the images we make, the content we make, the, the stories we tell, it's, it's amazing to, to give people concept and give people theory, but just being there, it, like that's, that's everything. And, and it kind of reminded me this weekend that like I, I, I get into this hole of being hesitant or you know, arguing with myself, it doesn't matter, is what I'm doing worthwhile? Is what I'm doing even right? Being outside is right. And I, I just need to remind myself that it started with that, with that same note, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah. I'm crying uh, behind the camera here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think I can speak to a, a project specifically because I'm so stoked on many varying things that I'm doing right now, but I think the way that it was relayed to me, especially working in this outdoor space, in a lot of these niche points of interest can be very divisive. And as storytellers, we try to find ways for that not to be the case and to be more conversational like what we do at Modern Huntsman. And when I was talking to a friend about the work that I do, he said it so simply, but in a way that made it made sense to me in that I am inspiring people to be curious based on my own curiosity and letting my curiosity drive and my passion for the outdoors drive and inspire what I'm doing in this space. And instead of it being very fact-driven and scary statistics and climate change and everything, just when you're outside and you're talking about entomology and turning over rocks and that kind of stoke and passion you can see on people's faces and trying to convey stuff like that, those in-between moments on why we're so passionate about being outside. That's my pursuit in everything that I'm trying to do, whether it's a, you know, an outdoor documentary in Big Bend or it's an outdoor comedy series where I anthropomorphize animals. It's just finding different ways for people to be, to be curious. But I think what's really cool about everyone here is that we don't have a single lane pursuit in how we got here. We may have started that way. Like for me, it was probably hiking and, and camping, even though it started long before that. But that curiosity cascaded into me wanting to go fly fishing and wanting to go hunting and learn about food sourcing and where my food comes from and growing my own food. And because we don't have that single lane pursuit um, and diversifying our interests in the outdoors, that's allowed us to have a greater reverence for nature and then being able to relay that through the work that we do. Um, so I don't know if I answered the question, but. Expand on it with how are, how are you now on this journey? How are you regularly connected with nature? And how's that you? Um, I mean, it, it, except when I'm in Texas. Any day of the week, you can, you, you can find me outside pursuing something different based on what I'm curious about in that moment, whether that's going down the Spoke Hollow and learning how to turkey hunt or going fly fishing. 
in, in relating turkey hunting to dating. Yeah. Um, every day I'm inspired and curious to do something different. Um, so it's not a single lane pursuit. It's this weekend I'm going to go fly fishing. And, and now that I've grasped the basics of how to do that, now I want to learn more about fly tying and whatnot and seeing how that all relates um, kind of synergetically. Um, so through all of that, I'm slowly and gratefully able to pull that into the work that I'm doing um, as a filmmaker, photographer, and a writer. I mean, it's incredible that I, I say this all the time, like we're, we're getting paid to do this. That's crazy to me that I get paid to go tell stories in the outdoors and get to inspire other people to go outside. That's, I mean, I'm so grateful for that, so. Yeah, um, listening to everyone's stories or everyone's who has spoken so far, I'm like, oh, I kind of relate to some of that, kind of relate to some of that. I wish I had thought, I wish I had gone before you kind of thing. But um, I think that's right now what's inspiring me is like finding myself um, connecting with multiple different people and how they connect with the outdoors. So, um, and that's kind of like how I feel um, I like to go out and shoot um, skiing, runners, mountain biking. And it's, it's always more about that person's story and how they connect to the outdoors. Um, and I try and pull pieces from their experience and, and see that for myself. And I think from this weekend, that's kind of what has newly invigorated me is like everyone has offers something different and like how they connect. Um, and you know, I've learned a lot from everyone um, through mentorship, through um, their projects, their personal projects, what they're excited about. Um, and I think that has really inspired me to uh, keep pursuing um, stories in, in my own world um, in, the, in the outdoor space. Um, and then, yeah, also just like becoming comfortable with I mean, I did a lot of new stuff this weekend <laughs> um, that I never thought like I would be doing. And um, if I can see that for myself, I see that for so many other people too. And so like, how can I now step into the roles that you've provided me to someone else? And I think that's kind of where I'd like to go moving forward. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, and then what's the other one? Was that, that covered everything? Kind of covered everything. Yeah, good. <laughs> but yeah, I just thank you everyone um, for welcoming me and making this happen and being awesome. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really refreshing. Yeah, so it's, when I think about uh, what inspires me, gosh, it feels like this, this weekend has been incredibly inspiring. It feels like everything, we're just immersed in so many inspiring conversations, inspiring people, inspiring views, inspiring gear. It's like all of it. It's just like I feel on overload inspiration right now going out of this this weekend. But as I reflect on um, just what has kind of emerged for me um, over the last few years, uh, I started, uh, I, I worked for several years in the luxury travel space and I got to see like what guest experiences were at this uh, high-end level, and I didn't really have a strong connection to like the research and the science and uh, what goes into like creating those experiences and all of the people that are involved 
uh, to make those things happen. And over the last few years, make those experiences happen, just getting to um, like pull that curtain back a little bit and see the scientists and the, the researchers and the ecologists and entomologists and all of the people that are behind the scenes um, uh, researching these different ecosystems, learning about them. And um, before anyone's in there doing any sort of tourism, um, that's been really fun to me and just uh, uh, getting better, getting closer to the data of what's actually happening in these ecosystems, seeing how they play with the guest experiences and seeing people balance those tensions is always interesting for me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I think the scientists, I, I've been more and more interested to learn from the computer engineers and the just uh, all of the kind of like super nerds behind a lot of what we do. And I think we all have a super nerd in us at some level. And so um, being able to be with a community like this that we can resonate with on both the, on that kind of front, that like visual obvious side, but also kind of the super geek side of it, whether it's like just like the world's best optics and um, uh, that we've been using or any other equipment, like that's just super fun and inspiring. And um, one of the particular projects and someone that's inspired me a lot uh, lately is uh, my friend Babak Tefreshi and uh, he specializes in night sky photography. He writes uh, for Nat Geo and has done some light pollution stories for them. And uh, he comes from an astronomy background and, uh, and uh, physics. And he's just an uber smart scientist. And he's using, and he's also a, a fantastic photographer and he's um, advocating to protect the night skies um, uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I mean, it's, uh, he tells this story of like in 1994, in LA, there was an earthquake and all the power went out and uh, and like a few people called in to like 911 saying there was a strange cloud in the sky and it was the Milky Way. No one had ever seen them. Like, they had like 20 calls from people uh, saying there's a weird cloud in the sky and no one had seen the Milky Way. And it just happened at this moment uh, in time, turned off the power and these people that had grown up in the city hadn't seen it. And so he's advocating uh, for humans to stay connected to the night sky, but it also has a massive impact on migratory birds. And uh, uh, when you've got lights shining up in the sky, it's attracting them. And I mean, in his Nat Geo article, he talks about millions of, um, uh, you know, birds that are affected every year. And, um, and so it's just, uh, and he's got the science behind it. And so I think science-based storytelling is uh, just uh, something that you all are doing really well. And uh, it's challenged me uh, to, to be better about just finding empirical data and finding a team um, that can help, uh, you know, and uh, complement me in the things that I'm, uh, you know, really weak at and find ways where I think my strengths can uh, build. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, and then, so that's, that's kind of uh, what I, th those are the, the, that's my, that's my answer to the inspiration question. And then uh, in terms of uh, how I connect to nature on a regular basis, it's such a gift to be able to, uh, like you were saying, Natalie, to be able to work uh, in, in a space that does naturally connect you, you know, to the outdoors. But when you're not, when I'm not shooting, which is, you know, not all the time, um, I've, I've found cycling to be uh, just actually road biking. Uh, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and that's where I live right now. Not really known for its uh, uh, natural world appeal. Um, but, you know, I, and I've, I've like, my whole family's there. I've, I mean, like, I've, I felt like I knew Wichita, 
But when I started cycling, I saw this entirely different part of Kansas that I never really knew was there. It got me out early at sunrise to like to beat the heat. And then I'm seeing fox and coyote and bird life and like all kinds of stuff that I just didn't know was there. And, uh, and I would just want to um, say to anybody, you know, if that natural beauty, nature is um, everywhere if you just look for it. And uh, even if you're in the city, you can look up at the sky and and see the clouds and or, or you know bird life up uh, uh, up above and so um, I think we can always find ways to connect to nature and cycling has been one of those unexpected um, uh, joys because I didn't start cycling to connect to nature but it just got me out there and now um, I I feel connected every time I'm out and if I don't get that exercise in I feel you know. I, I, I feel um, the, 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 that part missing in my life. And so I'm just really thankful for that. You proved it on the trail. That was fun. I, I mean, while, I, while I have the, uh, while I have, uh, the mic, I just want to uh, um, uh, say that yeah, I just want to challenge everybody to, I've, I've heard a lot of really amazing ideas uh, floated of things that everybody want to work, wants to work on. And um, I think Swarovski as a brand has done a really good job of leading the way and saying like, we're going to swing for the fences and do something that's just next level awesome. And I think that the results are there. And I think um, in many ways, us uh, as a group following um, that lead and just saying, what is the thing that no one's ever done? Like Natalie was talking about, pulling off this like super long stabilized horse, uh, horse shot or whatever it is. Like, you know, I, I think that the world, I think that the human race needs us as storytellers to swing for the fences and to really try to go after those crazy stories that you think are important that m maybe the first 10 people you tell don't believe in it because it's just too wild or whatever, you know, but if you believe that and you have a reason for for that, I would just challenge everybody to go after it, like share the idea with one person. And, you know, community uh, is created with just two people. And if I share an idea with you and, and you say, that's awesome, how can I help? Like that's, um, that, that's the genesis of community and of, a, and of an amazing project that's bigger than yourself. So I would just encourage all of you to, to think about what those ideas are and to find ways to get the resources that you need to make them happen and, and build a team around it and go do it because I think that's um, what we need uh, to build a better future. I don't really know where to begin with this, but I think a lot of you guys who I've known for some time and I've shared this with some people this week, um, my longtime girlfriend passed away four years ago. And I think as it pertains to connecting with nature and the recovery from that, that trauma, um, being out in wild spaces for me was one of the key things that kind of helped me recover from that loss. It was, it was kind of being out, seeing different organisms, seeing different species at different phases of their life cycle. So some, some that were just kind of being born and coming up, some that were dying for the winter, um, some that were going into hibernation, coming back towards rebirth and into growth. It kind of helped me personally understand that I wasn't alone in where I was in that cycle of recovery, birth, regrowth, death, et cetera. 
And I felt really surrounded by nature in those moments um, and really kind of comforted in like a, a big hug sort of way. And so um, I think that for me was this huge turning point in, in understanding our connection with nature and how we can almost see ourselves in the species that are surrounding us on a regular basis. And so a lot of my work in the last couple of years since Kim's death has been looking at large landscapes across Eastern Africa, which is home to me, um, and looking at sort of the disappearance of species and the ebbs and the flows and, and, and for instance, a lot of the decline in our, our habitats. Um, and both trying to document those and show people both their beauty and the, the ongoing decline there, because I, I want to make sure that when there's somebody else who's going through a trauma or somebody else who's needing to know that they're not alone, that, that nature will be there um, and that we have protected and, and preserved places that are there in perpetuity that people can go into and feel that same sort of warmth and hug that, that I felt from, from nature in those, those recovery months and years really. Um, and so, yeah, the, the projects that I'm most excited about now are, are being able to share those experiences that I've had in nature um, via filmmaking and photography and, and hopefully create a sense of ownership and responsibility to seeing those places protected in perpetuity. Um, yeah, and, and I've, I've also want to add this week having everybody share their stories with me um, it's it's done a similar thing. I think that that being in nature and seeing those species along certain timelines did is it it helped me know that like there is this whole community out um, out there of of you guys, your friends, your colleagues that are in this space working really hard and in different timelines of your career of the project cycles, etc. And it helped, I think those stories helped me feel less alone in, in the work that I'm doing. And I'm, a lot of that work in, in, in its core is, is a bit more isolated because I'm sitting in a, a truck in the middle of nowhere by myself for hours and hours at a time. But it really did help me know that there is this depth of community that's in a similar space. And so um, I'd encourage you guys to continue to share those stories, your stories. Austin and I had a great conversation yesterday about um, how like when we when we share our stories, others are able to find inklings of their own story uh, in in the share in the stories of our, our ourselves, and it just it just I don't know. There's something about that that sharing that really kind of it just really lifted me up this week, and so I just want to say thank you guys for kind of helping me feel that that connection. So yeah, that's it. Awesome. Wow. Okay. <laughs> 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 that was awesome. Man. That was really good. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. Not off the hook. I'm behind the camera. Not when it's not with a voice <laughs> like that, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> Fly all the way from Scotland for you just to Ooh, <laughs> Ben flexes. <laughs> I didn't have anything until about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but I, what's really struck me from being a part of this group this weekend is, is really understanding how deeply personal one's relationship to the outdoors and nature is. And I'm, I'm, I know that for myself, like 
you know, why I hunt is a deeply personal thing. Like why I care about going out onto the landscape and figuring out, you know, where food might be is deeply personal. And I pursue those things for reasons that, you know, heal me, keep me mentally grounded. And, and another reason is it just, it's just fun. But, um, in listening to everybody, I'm like, we all have these deeply personal reasons why we're pursuing what we're pursuing. And at the same time, the bravery to share that through our work with the general public and, and anybody who's going to take a look. And I, that is just struck me as so inspiring this weekend, you know, and because I think it's really risky. It's risky to take something that you care about and that makes you feel whole and connects you to your soul and, you know, the person that you are and put it on the internet and be like, what do you think of this? You know, are you, do you, do you like it? Um, <laughs> and it's, it's like the thing that, uh, like the, the synchronistic fireflies, you, you thought about that for so long. And then you decided to share that with a car company and however many, you know, hundreds of thousands of people um, that are going to see that. Because I think you probably saw the opportunity to be like, hey, this car company, people paying attention to this cool car, I could actually get into their mindset at the same time and teach them about synchronistic fireflies, you know, and that is so cool. <laughs> and I think that is why... Um, probably a lot of us do the things that we do and take these things that are deeply, deeply personal and share them with the public because we're all trying to get others to see themselves as a part of nature or find a way to begin to connect to nature and ultimately see themselves as a part of the landscape. Um, I've definitely gone from, I think I've worked at every scale of that spectrum from being like a, a direct facilitator of nature experiences and an educator and a guide um, to now working on national policy <laughs> to make sure that public lands stay open and accessible and that you know people actually have like the physical opportunity and access to go out and have these experiences um, and that truly like recreation can be seen as an important component of conservation I think when I look at the American public, you know, that's my, the most optimistic kind of widest funnel way that I see us being able to get wide scale nature connection. It's like somebody starts by going camping, then they're like, oh, look at that cool bird that like flew into my campsite. And, um, and then they start fishing and then they learn about, you know, all the things. Like it's this, um, this wonderful spiral effect from there. But that's, it's really tough. And I think in watching everybody have these new experiences this weekend, which has been so fun. Like, I think I've heard you multiple times say, I didn't know how much I was gonna love this. <laughs> how much is that shotgun? <laughs> and like watching that happen reminds me that truly one of the most important things we can all be doing is validating all these individual experiences and saying how you're connecting with nature, that's really important. How you choose to connect with nature, that's really important. It's all very, very important. Um, and when you have, you know, a well-facilitated experience of that, like it, it bonds, it bonds us to that thing and sparks the imagination and the interest. Um, where am I in this? 
<laughs> How I, I, I connect? Move, move, yeah, I would say, because knowing you for watching you on this entire journey, <clears throat> right? And you don't have to go through the whole journey, but you know how that yeah. has evolved. Yeah, I think like, what I'm constantly trying to figure out is how to like move from this place of visitation to nature to membership in nature. And, you know, that's taken on many forms for me from gardening, farming, natural building, you know, now hunting, you know, wild food foraging, all these things that just give me a way to feel like I have literacy in the landscape and that I can understand it and, and it becomes a part of my survival and my being. And then I, that's, I guess, in the most romantic sense, like becomes part of my expression of how I get to live and walk around and, and be a human. And I just think this is like the most fun I've ever had also. It's like the time that I feel most alive. And, you know, not all my days are like that. Like most of my days I'm writing emails from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And um, I've found that my ability to have, you know, little bits of of the wild stored throughout my house, <laughs> whether that's, you know, feathers that I've picked up or shed antlers that are on my bookcase that I get to look at while I'm on the computer or tea in a jar from the, that time I was in the riparian zone that, you know, deep in the winter when everything's dark and gray, I get to have that cup of tea and be kind of transported back into whatever that nature experience was. That's certainly hunting for me is like, no matter what's happening in my day, I sit down to dinner of elk steaks or whatever it is, and suddenly I'm back on that ridge line at first light, you know, remembering everything about that experience. So I think it's important to have those little portals so that kind of no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, you know, I live in suburbia in Utah, um, I still feel connected to wild landscapes. Um, so for me, I mean, I grew up in Texas for the most part, didn't have anybody in my family who was into hunting or fishing or the outdoors, was always chasing snakes and catching turtles and doing all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until I graduated college, um, I was in Los Angeles, and just by fate really got a job in Tanzania and moved straight to the bush and got thrown into filming big game hunting safaris. And I truly feel like I went through a boy and came back a man because I got ravaged by tsetse flies and you know, bloodied up by Ngoja Kidogo, these thorns that just rip your skin. And I got lions literally came into my tent, breathed on the back of my neck. I got charged by elephant and buffalo and just went through the entire gamut and got my ass kicked. And over the years of freelance and living in a city and not living in a city and then Modern Huntsman and the ups and downs of this whole journey, I found myself remembering Bush Tyler and what I was like when I was living in the bush and I didn't wear a watch. I could tell you within five minutes what time of day it was. I learned how to track. I knew how to forage plants there. And so in times when I feel like I have too many meetings in the day or looking at a 52 week cash flow or answering one of Ben's emails or <laughs> any of the other dr daily drolls. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, that that's, and, and we were talking about this earlier, that to me, being humbled by, the, by nature and natural elements and being reminded that there's this amazing, larger world out there that really doesn't give a shit about 
when your meeting is or how many emails you have to do or did you turn in all the deliverables? And, and that's to me what I, and I don't get to do this very often. And it's kind of ironic, Byron and I talk about this a lot, that we spend so much time focused on telling other people's stories and publishing other people's work about these amazing experiences they're having in the outdoors, and we don't do it that often. And so we're trying to get better about that, and that kind of segues into the next part, which is what I'm excited about, is this right now, and all of you here together, is a major realized dream. I mean, a big part of what we've been trying to do is how do we take what's on those pages and make it real? How does someone experience that and, and get to know us? And we've made a very active decision to start being much more personal with our brand. And we're launching this new paywall tiered subscription system. And part of that top level subscription is that we're gonna start sharing a lot more about what's going on and the struggles we've had and Byron dropping his camera in the water or you know, never catching a fish or whatever it is that he struggles with. And, <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> no, so I just think that um, obviously we all had a hard time with COVID, but that was a big part of what we've been building in the background is to be able to do stuff like this. And to basically, we met right before COVID. Mm -hmm. I remember it was December of 2019. Sitting Maybe in your mom's kitchen. we were literally sitting in my mom's kitchen having a, and Albert, I think you were on that call in the background. And there was like pictures of me and my brother and sister from kids with like our little shitty haircuts and puppies in the back. <laughs> and to think that the conversations we were having then about what's possible and trying to be a translator for you of this vision you see for Swarovski Optic Outdoor and, and coming up with a list of, I mean, selfishly, I was like, wow, this is just an opportunity for me to pick all my favorite people and try to bring them together, right? And so, this has been amazing. It's it's a major dream realized, and, and that's something that's been kind of surreal and, and inspiring to me. So thank you all for being here. It's been incredible. Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very, I am, look, I can't even put the little thumb on. <laughs> okay. Now I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be so annoyed when I listen back to this, like, why did this idiot not clip his lapel mic properly? I'm so not used to being on the other side of the camera, I kind of hate it, it's making me sweat a little bit. <laughs> I know, well, the thing is when I, well, when I started the, the most recent evolution of my career, I suppose, yanking it off my chest, it was to really tell other people's stories because I felt like there were, I, I met so many amazing people in different parts of the world just through life, quite often older people and I, and I saw them pass away and their stories never be told. And, uh, you know, much like I imagine pro probably everyone in this room, your formative years and this, one of the things that draws you to, to seek these things out is literature, is the, these books of these great people and great adventures. And I somewhat thought that it um, you know, if you look through you, the likes of um, Aldo Leopold, which we were all given now, I reference that book continually in my mind, that those, those times were gone, that they were, it, it was an era that we would never sort of see again. And I kind of hankered for that um, growing up. And I realized that I was meeting these people and they were passing away. And some of them I always wanted to meet and they were dying and I knew that they had so much more to tell. And that was kind of one of the, the catalysts, if you like, for me wanting to tell stories, was just to make sure that 
they were heard by people because once they're once they're lost, they're they're lost forever. Um, getting emotional here because I'm just I'm just I'm just remembering now. The um, so I had this great uncle. His name was Uncle Ted, and he in my bedroom at my parents' house, which is still pretty much as it was when I left. I had pictures of all my kind of the history of my family there from both sides. And one particular character was this guy, Uncle Ted. And he was kind of, he was the last hunter in the family. And I wrote the story about him when I was probably 19 or 20, when I sort of just first got published in a magazine for the first time. And it was called The Last Hunter because I had gone out to see him. And I was probably 14, I guess, um, when I'd gone out to see him with my family in South Africa. And he was a crocodile hunter back in the day. He was, he was the sort of the, the epitome of all these amazing stories that I had read and all the, the kind of lives that I hankered for. And um, I had the most amazing time with him. And he, he had kids, or he has kids. He's passed away now. Um, but they never, <clears throat> they never had a, a, a sort of a desire to learn about his life, sadly and really understand how important it was for him to um, exist in a landscape with nature. He was born in England, in London, and read Jock of the Bushveld, <laughs> and was kind of abandoned by his family, and took it upon himself at 15 years old to get on a boat and go to Africa, because he felt like this was the continent that he needed to exist in. And he forged this this life for himself, where um, he, was, he was all the things that I was reading about from all these other people. And so I had a chance to spend some time with him, and he, the, the very limited amount of stuff that he had of his life, a small handful of pictures, some knives that his father had made for him, he, he gave to me, sort of, sort of this passing of the mantle. And I sat and listened to stories for hours. And... Um, I, I realized that this was, it had kind of skipped a generation in my family, where yes, I learned to hunt through my, my father and, and fish as well, but he, like so many people, just trying to like look after his family and did a job that he hated for his entire life. Um, like so many people, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's incredibly sad that we spend so much of our lives doing things that we don't actually want to do. And I kind of promised myself I would never do that. I did periods of it because it was, it was necessary for me to like get to the next step and do the things that I'm doing now. Um, so I kind of lost my train of thought there. But um, oh yeah, he passed all this stuff on to me and I would keep in contact with him very regularly, but it was difficult for me to see him because then he moved out of Johannesburg to a place I didn't have like another reason to go to other than just like specifically visit him. And in 2019, he was getting pretty old. Um, and I could tell that he, when he would send me texts or emails or whatever, he, he was following my life because he was kind of, he'd spent the second half of his life not living the life that he wished he'd, he'd lived. He'd been kind of urbanized and it wasn't that explorer Uncle Ted that I had the black and white pictures on my walls of anymore. Um, and so he was kind of, he was, he was living this. And he always used to say to me, I wish I could come and hunt with you. I'm too old now, but I wish I could walk in the bush with you, you know, just, just once. And I never got the chance to do that with him. But in 2019, 
he was, you could tell he was slowing down a bit. And I was really, I was on the continent for like three months and I didn't really have any free time, but I promised myself I wasn't going to leave the continent until I saw him again. And so I found some time and I went and I didn't tell him I was going to visit him. Um, and I just surprised him at his house the one day. And he kind of, this double, he was, he was like sitting outside and I just came in through his gate and sat down in this chair beside him and he kind of did this double take, not believing that I was actually sitting beside him. And I, um, I spent a couple of days with him and I put the, he was very deaf from shooting lots. So I, um, I told him that the reason I was gonna put this podcast headset on him and record is so that, I didn't really tell him I was recording, but so that he could hear me properly and I could hear him. And I recorded hours of conversations and I did the thing that I had always um, regretted not doing when I was a bit younger, which was spending more time with my the members of my family or people that I knew who had these amazing stories and these amazing connections with nature because it was the th thing that I felt like I needed to exist and my sort of reason for being, for being here. You know, we, we, I think one of the crazy things about life is that we have no choice and that the end is the same for all of us. We had no say in existing. We're just thrown into this world and the end game is all the same. One day we won't be here anymore. So the only thing, that the only real legacy that we leave behind is the stories of the lives that we've created for ourselves. And some of those are lasting legacies where we physically build buildings, but ultimately they're, they're stories. And I recorded this, um, these, this many, many hours with him and six months later, in the middle of COVID, so it was impossible to go back, he was sick and he passed away. But I have this record and conversations that he had with me that I brought up to other family members over the years, over, well, over the last 18 months. And I'd say half those conversations I had, nobody knows anything about them. Even my dad didn't know anything about them. And I've gone off on a very weird uh, tangent there just to say that I think it's so important that we do what we do because storytelling is what moves people and if you you can you can have and I'm very analytical and scientifically driven and that's most of the stories and the conversations I have and you need that as a baseline for making decisions but if you want to move people for action you have to appeal to the emotion in them and you do that not by putting a graph down on a table, but you do it by storytelling. And I think uh, having got to know everybody here a little bit better for those people I knew already and some people for the first time, I feel like that's a pretty common thread here, is that everybody wants a storytell to move people to make this place better. And that's all I have to say. What are you excited about next? <laughs> excited about next? Yeah. I'm excited about the possibility of doing some work with every single person that I've met over the last few days. Because I get, I've, I get so much out of trying to put myself in places with brilliant people. Because if you put yourself with brilliant people, brilliant things happen. And I think that is what's happened here, is that we've had this incredible collective of people. And the output of everybody in this room is more than the sum of the number of people here by, by miles. The synergies that you get from collaborative working and just sharing of your mind, like you were saying, Austin, it's, you need an events like this to make that happen. You can't, you, you know, there's a limit to what you can create over a phone or over a call. You can have a bit of fun and have serious conversations and you go away from something like this and 
brilliant and magical things happen. And I'm pretty convinced that it's going to happen off the back of this. So thank you so much for everybody who's shared their stories and their time and their thoughts. It's been brilliant and inspiring. And that's the last time I'm going to yeah. be in front of the lens. <laughs> awesome. Wow. And that concludes the programming. <laughs>